0: Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. My name is Faisal and my co-host here, Rob Gary. Rob, how are you doing? Doing great. It's been it's been, a, it's been another volatile week. Yeah. A lot of things happening. A lot of things happening. Let's talk about the fight. Two different fights we're gonna talk about on today's show. Mm-hmm. Later on in the show, we're gonna talk about how do you fight what's going on in your portfolio. Yeah. How do you deal with that? But before we talk about that, let's talk about a fight that we saw happening with our very own Jamie Gollenbeck. He was he put out an article about how he was uh, taking on the CRA. <laughs> it's a tough this, fight. This is a tough fight. <laughs> a lot of people are, are are interested in this, got a lot of buzz on social media on this. Um, and we wanted to talk about that because many Canadians have concerns about when, they're, when they get assessed or audited by mm. CRA. A lot of Canadians don't have deep pockets to hire lawyers to fight this. So, you know, I'd like to kind of understand how Jamie did this and his story on here. And so we've got Jamie Golenbeck, Managing Director of Tax and Estate Planning at CIBC. Jamie, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. All right, let's fill it out really quickly for the overall of what happened. And then what was the process you went through to actually take on CRA.
1: Yeah so I ended up doing this all on my own which is why I wrote the story to tell other canes that it is possible if you invest the time to do this on your own depending on how complex your case is. I thought my case was very straightforward so I didn't need to hire Uh, lawyers or accountants or anything like that. I am an accountant myself, but uh, you know, that being said, just caution that as I tell the story that your situation may be different and may be much more complex, in which case it probably is a good idea to at least get an initial opinion from a professional tax advisor or be an accountant or lawyer. But but my story is very simple. March the 12th, uh, I was working downtown in CIBC in our head office, corporate office, and uh, I actually had tickets for the Leafs game that night. I was taking my son. And uh, all of a sudden in the afternoon, uh, NHL was cancelled. And then uh, we were told that evening that uh, our work was cancelled. <laughs> not cancelled, but we were not to come back to the office. And that would last for, uh, for years. Um, and now we're back partially. Uh, but we're still basically working from home. So basically Friday, March the 13th. Friday the 13th. I basically started working from home for the first time in my life. Uh, you know, um, every day, uh, and I'm still doing so uh, for much of the time, although we have started to return to the office recently. Um, and so for the 2020 tax year, I claimed my work from home expenses. Now, for many Canadians, the simple method was $2 a day, and for me, it just worked out better mathematically that I'd get a bigger deduction if I actually calculated my actual expenses and then prorated it based on the square feet that I use. So I'm sitting right now in that spare bedroom that I set up a couple of years ago. And I calculated that's about 10%, a little bit less than 10% of my house. And therefore I multiplied it out and I claimed a tax deduction. Um, I got a letter from the CRA, Uh, initially they allowed it, but I got a letter in the summer of 2021, asking for information. They wanted all the details of all my expenses and, and stuff like that. So I sent them a schedule, I downloaded from online banking, all of my expenses and I did the calculation of you know square footage and and I sent it to them along with my uh, CIBC employer certificate that I 2200 that I'm working from home and the 777 schedule and I sent all the information in. a few months later I heard back denied <laughs> not good enough I was reassessed the whole deduction was denied because I didn't actually provide all the actual account statements so of all the utility bills and all the gas bills and the electric bills and all that stuff, uh, they wanted all that. They didn't just want a listing and a download from online banking. So you know, I went ahead and I uh, spent an hour and a half one Sunday and went online and fortunately, I keep everything in the cloud. You went online and downloaded all my you know, monthly gas bills and my monthly electric bills, my Rogers, my internet, everything. And I sent them a PDF of like over 90 pages of all this detailed information with calculations and schedules And I waited and waited, and I never heard back from them at all. And uh, finally, eventually I went online and I decided I'm gonna file a notice of objection. So I just filed a simple objection. attached all that stuff electronically. And again, I waited and I didn't hear anything at all. There's an interesting rule in the Income Tax Act that says if you don't hear back from this CRA within 90 days of filing an objection, you can skip the CRA and go right to court. So I thought you know what I don't want to wait anymore and I even went online and was told that my case was a medium complexity case meaning it would take approximately nine months to resolve and I didn't want to wait nine months to get my money back so eventually uh, I just filed an application to court I did this myself did it online three lines just typed it into the computer sent them all the documentation literally three weeks later I get a phone call from a lawyer from the CRA litigation division, uh, who reviewed my file and allowed basically everything, and uh, and then it had to go through a judge. a judge had to certify. So basically, it was an agreed-to settlement, and uh, and I never actually went to court. But I think the messaging here is that yes, it, it can take a lot of time, um, but if you have an open and clear case, I mean there was no controversial issues at all in my case. It was just a, a matter of documentation, and I had all the documentation. So. Luckily, I was successful, and I actually, a couple of weeks ago, got a refund. Uh, and the reason that I got a refund is because as soon as I got reassessed, um, I paid the tax because I knew I was right, and I paid the tax, and that way, I got all my money back and interest as well. Uh, unfortunately, I have to pay tax on that interest, but uh, uh, you know, it was a win for me. But it was a lesson, and a lesson that you know, if you do believe that you are correct, and uh, you have a good case, uh, go all the way, and if you have the time and the interest, I, I was quite interested in the case, uh, then you certainly could pursue it on your own. Although again, I wouldn't recommend that uh, for more complex issues.
2: Well, Jamie, I know, I, I know in your situation, you just went ahead and paid the tax owing at the time. And I've seen a lot of clients not wanna pay, Yeah. right? And they wanna go and fight. So is that recommended? Obviously you're gonna incur interest. You didn't know what the outcome was gonna be. So would you give us a couple kind of tips on what you would do through that process?
1: Yeah, always, always, always pay, um, period, uh, you know, no matter what. Um, there's no downside in paying because y- if you win, you're going to get your money back and you can get your money back with interest. And uh, and the interest they're paying is the prescribed rate plus 2%. So uh, the prescribed rate is about to jump up, I believe, to 3% in a few days, uh, you know, at the beginning of the month. And uh, effectively, um, you're going to be at a 3% plus 2 is a 5% rate of return. I mean, that's pretty good refund interest. Right? So <laughs> I, I think it's a good idea that if you can afford to do it, if you get assessed, uh, you should, uh, pay, uh, then object to keep your legal rights open. Um, but uh, otherwise the problem with the uh, not paying is that if you ultimately lose, or you're not completely successful, the arrears interest is the prescribed rate plus 4% and that's non-deductible. So, you know we're looking at a seven percent arrears interest charge, right? And that's non-deductible. You're going to get a rate a return of fifteen percent if you're in the top bracket or so uh, to just to break even on the interest. So always pay it. <laughs> Good messaging,
0: Jamie. That was a great, great piece of advice on paying it. But there's a piece that you did that I think some Canadians don't do is the record keeping that you had. You had every mm-hmm. single bill uploaded to the cloud so let's give two tips to uh to our viewers and listeners about what should they do in order to keep track of everything so that in the event they get assessed audited whatever it may be they're ready to go
1: so it's very very important especially if you're a business owner or you're claiming expenses uh, for any type of business for tax purposes that you want meticulous records and i, I used to keep everything in filing cabinets uh, about three years ago just before the pandemic i moved everything virtually uh, I use uh, you know, a third-party cloud service, I use uh, you know Microsoft uh, uh, OneDrive, and uh, every single month that I get a bill, because I get all my bills electronically, no more paper bills anymore in the mail, um, I just spend 30 seconds when the email comes in to take a quick look at the bill, make sure it's sort of reasonable, and then I just save it in a folder on the cloud called bills, and I have subcategories, one for gas, one for electric, one for, not that you're ever gonna look at this unless you have to look at this. So uh, I think it's good advice. I do this with all my bank statements, my brokerage statements, everything you get electronically, tax returns, notice of assessment. I have absolutely everything stored online. Within a couple minutes, uh, I could find you anything in the last three years. It's all organized, it's all there in PDF. And it came in very, very handy uh, when it came to a CRA audit.
0: Some great advice from a man who fought the CRA and won, Jamie Goldenbeck, Managing Director of Tax and Estate Planning at CIBC. Jimmy, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Uh, Rob, what a volatile week. Mm-hmm. Let's call it two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. Uh, ever since uh, you know the Federal Reserve announced their interest rate decision, chaos. Chaos. Chaos happened in the markets. Kind of. Let's go through, pretty much, what happened and what do you do in these kind of circumstances? Let's build out first of all what happened. And, with the interest rates and so forth. Yeah, well, interest rates late last
2: week, the uh, U.S. Fed made the decision. They moved another 75 basis points. The commentary that came with it is they're going to continuously be hawkish until they get that down to that rate of 2% inflation, right? And so that's that target rate. We'll talk about that a little further. So that's one part of it. The market gets spooked by that. We've been talking about analogies a lot this week. We talked about a haunted house yep. right because everything seems scary right now every everywhere you go everything you hear seems scary so if you're in a haunted house you get scared you move to the hopefully the safest place until you're scared again you move again and so that's what's been happening the start of this week through this week and it's affected the bond market right it's affected US treasuries it's affected yields it's affected Things happened overseas.
0: Pretty much all asset classes have been affected by this.
2: Up and down, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I think what this basically says is there's a higher probability of a recession. Mm-hmm. And so when you have a higher probability of recession, People start to panic. That haunted house analogy, they're running to one side and they go, uh-oh, that's not going to happen now, or it might be different than what you expected. You get scared, then you move to another direction right. of the of the haunted house and you don't know if you're safe yet, Right? something might pop out and scare <laughs> you. It was interesting, the day that the Federal Reserve raised their interest rates, you and I were, were, were chatting, they announced it, literally within about an hour, the fire alarm went off in our building. It did. We're yeah. on the 27th floor, we had to walk all the way down. My legs were in so much pain. We're like, this is too coincidental, right? <laughs> so we knew that the markets were going to be spooked. We've seen a lot of volatility. I think one of the biggest concerns that people have is, what the heck do you do now? Mm-hmm. You know, That's, that's the, biggest, the biggest concern that we're seeing. You're getting calls from, from mm-hmm. clients, from viewers and listeners of our show. I'm getting them as well. Like, What's happening?
2: Well, you're getting a lot of that market commentary too of, okay, well, let's move to U.S., Right, or US dollars, right? And the US treasuries got spooked this week too. And then gold went up one day, right? And that's there was an inner day part this week that was an anomaly, yeah, right? That we were talking about, yeah, with what was happening overseas, but it was all caused by federal
0: commentary. So, and so when you look at what do you do in a situation like this, the first step that we need to look at is you have to assess now with the data that's been provided, where are you viewing and quantifying the value of those assets? So here's the best example. They raised interest rates, they actually increased their target on the high end, which then increases the probability of recession. Okay, so if that's the facts, you look at their, the asset classes, cash, bonds, fixed income, and all different types of bonds. And then you look at the, the equity section. Mm-hmm. And you go, where's, where's the opportunity first, and where's a, a place to be prepared for this possible scenario of recession? It's not a 100% probability, but the probability has increased. Right. And so, you look at the bond market, interest rates just went up.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, if we're heading to a recession, generally what happens in a recession? Mm. The central bankers start to cut interest rates. So if you're looking a little bit longer term than just the next week or month or six months, you go, maybe I should start getting a bit more opportunistic right. in the bond market, which is exactly what we did. We actually increased our exposure to the bond market. Right. That gives us a better interest rate going forward. Number two, if there's a higher probability of recession, what happens in a recession? Prices go down generally. That's what the central banks have been trying to do. What's one place that here in Alberta that we see all the time whenever we hear the word recession?
2: Well, I think this is interesting coming from you, too, talking about bonds, right? You got Chicken Dave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why he's not here today. No, normally, normally <laughs> I'm, I talk about stocks. Dave talks about bonds. You're absolutely right. And, and so you're talking about some opportunities using different asset classes, yep. right? And we talked about things getting repriced right now.
0: Correct. So I find it I find it interesting. Correct. Yeah. So there's an opportunity in bonds. There's risk in commodities because mm-hmm. commodity prices are falling. So why expose yourself to more uh, to more commodities, even though they have done well okay. over the last 12, 18 months? Take some profit. Yep. Reallocate, lower your risk exposure, but be prepared for the turnaround there's going to be opportunity when this market turns it may turn so fast that people will go damn i missed it right so position the portfolio so what did we do in our portfolio number 1 we increased our exposure to the bond market so we can get a better yield better rate of return there we decreased our exposure to commodities mm-hmm. we took some profit there we looked at ways to minimize volatility currency so we right. removed our, or reduced our exposure to currency risk we looked at where's the, where's the most overvalued markets. We got away from those areas and protected. And then we also invested in areas such as more dividend paying style, meaning they can continue to pay cash flow at a higher rate. And then we also looked at in a small percentage, 10% of where the area is for opportunity of growth as we get through this recession right. Look how far we're looking in advance. It's not the next quarter. It's not the next six months. It could be 12, 18, 24 months out. But where are the growth areas? So we allocated 10% there. But this is a shift in the portfolio, very active versus hang in there, everything will work out. And this is something that I think investors need to understand. When you are managing a portfolio, you're not just managing upside, you're also managing your risk. Right. And when you're trying to manage risk, do not put all your all your investments into one category, like bonds. You know how many people have said, just put all your money in bonds now. Well, where are we headed? We're headed into a recession. There's going to be opportunity there.
2: That's what the that's what the general
0: public is not feeling, right? Yeah. They're in that haunted house. They're in the haunted house. They're jumping from one side of the house to the other because they're in fear. So let's go over here. No, oh, I got scared. Let's go over here. And these are the times that you get excited. Oh, big time. This is The shopping list is growing now. The shopping list is growing, and it's gonna be Boxing Day shopping soon. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, that's when you have to be able to adjust the portfolio. This is not our first recession. This is not our first time experiencing this. Been doing this for 25 years. I can tell you this is not the first, nor the last recession that we're gonna experience. Or 20% drops in the market. It's not the first and not the last. So what's the behavior of how you look at the markets, and are you able to price that out properly? Right. And that's where the opportunities lie, and that's what we're going to be looking at. You know, when we when we look forward to the next quarter and the quarter after that, because October, November, December, you're going to get a lot more data, you're going to get a lot more commentary from central bankers, and now it's central bankers versus central bankers, currency manipulation by currency manipulation, which will reprice the assets, right. and they'll they'll open up opportunity. But as long as you understand that there's a place to mitigate your downside. It's not going to be 100% risk-free, but you're mitigating. And I think that's, that's the opportunity. I'm smiling mainly because here's the point in time where the discipline and the structure that you have in your portfolio will provide the results versus being in the haunted house and running from one side to the other, to the other, only because you got spooked. And everybody knows at the other end of the haunted house, everything's okay.
2: And being active, right, during
0: this period as well, right? Because there's no way to time the bottom. Absolutely not. There's Mm -hmm. no way to time the top or the bottom. Just have a disciplined structure of how you move between asset classes as long as you understand the value of the companies, the asset class, and the issuer. This way, you're protected. And we're going to talk about this. We're going to have this discussion about, proper portfolio management and proper portfolio structure so you don't take huge risks in your retirement. And, we're, and that's our upcoming seminar.
2: You guys join us Tuesday, October 25th, 7 p.m. This will be in person at the Carriage House Inn. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com
0: to register. Well, that's it. Another edition of More Than Money. I want to thank you on behalf of Rob Gary, myself, Faisal Carmally. Join us next week. Thank you for listening to 770 CHQR and More Than Money.